0: This is Eyewitness News Up Close with Bill Witter. This issue will destroy New
1: York City. A migrant crisis in New York City? The concept, the farthest thing from anyone's mind when Eric Adams was elected the 110th mayor of New York City more than two years ago. Oh, what we didn't know back then. More than 168,000 migrants have come to the sanctuary city since spring of 2022, and thousands more come every month. It is a crisis, a costly crisis. So where to house them, how to provide the services they need, and how to pay for all this. As Mayor Adams starts his third year in office, we sit down with him to talk about the migrant crisis, the impact it's having on other city programs and services, and what he's hoping to accomplish in the rest of his term.
0: Don't ever bet against New York. We're resilient, we're strong, we're committed, we're dedicated, and we're opinionated.
1: Morning, everyone, and welcome to Up Close. I'm Bill Ritter. Eric Adams has gone from New York cop to New York state senator to Brooklyn Borough president and then to mayor of New York. No matter whether you agree or disagree with his politics or positions, one thing is for sure, the energy and optimism of Eric Leroy Adams is something to behold, and it comes out crystal clear when one sits down with him, as I did this week, to talk about New York City and all the challenges it faces. Mr. Mayor, great to see you, and Happy New Year to you. Thank you, Bill, as well. Uh, Let's start with the migrant crisis, because it is still a crisis, and will likely be a crisis for some time. This week, you did something that really ticked off a lot of parents of school children. Uh, You moved 2,000 asylum seekers into a high school in Brooklyn just a few miles from where they were set up in sort of a tent city. Um, And the school was out for the day during that time. And whatever the reasons were, there wasn't a good communication with having remote learning. The parents were angry. They missed a day of school. And you suggested, you know, when it comes to this and getting people out of the rain, you want to maybe do that again because that was a humane thing to do. Could it have been done differently, gone somewhere (laughs) else, gone to a hotel? You know, Because they have gone to hotels before.
0: And you know that's a great question, Bill. Here's the problem: we don't have the spaces. Um, we received over uh, 169,000 migrants and asylum seekers. We spilled filled up spaces, warehouses. Uh, we built uh, hercks where we have tents, Randall's Island, uh, Creekmore, uh, Floyd Bennett Field. Uh, I stated at the beginning of this year, the visualization of this crisis is going to be actualized for everyday New Yorkers. You saw that when a storm hit the city with potentially 70 miles an hour winds. We've done what we've always done, Bill. When there's a fire and families are displaced, we use our schools. When there's a building collapse, we use our schools. When there's flooding, we, lo- we use our schools. They're a focal point, of how we stabilize uh, emergencies.
1: Right, so doesn't it then come up with a bigger question and a more complicated question, Mr. Mayor, and that is, what are we doing to solve this problem? Because it is a problem, and it is an expensive problem, and it is a crisis, as you said
0: many times. So what do we do, and how do you solve this? Well, I think the first order of business is for all of our electeds to have a unified chorus, and that is to call our national government uh, to do its job. This is a national problem that has been dropped in the lap of uh, New York City residents. And so I know parents are angry. I'm angry. (laughs) We are all angry. But displace anger at your mayor is not going to get this issue solved when you're seeing anywhere from up to 4,000 people a week come to our city. I don't have the power to stop the flow of buses to deport anyone I don't have the power to say we're not going to provide those services so we need to really turn our attention towards Washington DC and state this should not be happening uh, to the people of this city
1: well do correct me if I'm wrong Mr. Mayor and with all due respect the last when we talked uh, more a little more than a year ago and summing up your first year you said you know I'm optimistic uh, Senator Schumer is going to get some money the president's going to get some money and where has that money gone has it come in little teeny bits, but not what you wanted.
0: Oh, no, nowhere near. And I take my hat off to Senator Schumer, Congressman Jeffries, who's really pushing and fighting on the behalf of the city and all of our congressional delegation. But we're dealing with a very hostile Congress that really is not looking to solve this problem, in, in my opinion. So I have to make the shifts in the city. I have to navigate us out of this. I'm the mayor of the city of New York, and it's my responsibility, just as I did as a police officer, uh, to join my other colleagues to fight crime or any other incident. I have to lead us through this, but we're not getting the help from Washington, D.C. We're looking towards the state to also assist us, but this should not fall on the backs of New York City uh, taxpayers. Now, Bill, look at what we have done. Uh, Over... 50%, 57% 50%, 57% of the people who have arrived here as migrants and asylum seekers, we have been able to get them out of the system and stabilize them. And when we put in programs like our 30-day program, 80% of the people did not return. They went, and it was either stabilized through reticketing, standing with family members, or finding their own way in this country. So we have a model that the national government should, should, should duplicate. Yeah.
1: Uh, correct me again if, I, if I'm wrong, but when you were first elected, it seemed like there was a real bond between you and uh, and President Biden. There was a real bond. And, and and I think it's fair to say not so much these days. So what happened?
0: Uh, no I, I, I don't I don't agree with that. I, I think that uh, friends disagree. And I disagree on this issue. But we cannot take away from the fact when I needed the president to come here when we were surging and trending in the wrong direction in gun violence. Gun violence is down by 26% uh, because of some of the support we received from him. Homicides are down by 12%. Uh, this city has recovered uh, more private sector job than the history uh, of this city. Bond ratings have increased our bond rating. We have showed uh, fiscal responsibility And so the president has been a a partner on many of these issues. We disagree on this issue, but he has navigated this country out of COVID and other crises, and I'm still a supporter of the president, but I need the national government to address how this is impacting uh, our city.
1: And he helped you with the guns and with crime, and there have been huge, you know, you made huge strides in that, certainly with shootings and murders. However, when's the last time you talked to him?
0: Uh, last time I spoke with him was earlier last year at an e- at an event. Uh, we have not communicated directly on this incident. I have communicated with the White House. Right. Even my last trip there, I sat down and spoke with the with the White House. I did not leave with any optimism. I've, I left with the feeling uh, that is this is going to be a new norm, and I must expand uh, the coalition. And that's what I have done. I reached out and I've been communicating with the mayor of Chicago, the mayor of Denver. Uh, we are hearing that the governor of Massachusetts, uh, you're hearing mayors and local municipal leaders all over this country say this is a national problem. This should not be happening to El Paso, Brownsville, Texas, New York City, or any of those other cities that I mentioned. Could you be involved
1: with the governor of Texas along with your fellow mayors and say, look, the federal government's not doing it. There's too much you know, division in Washington, let's come up with a new policy. Have you thought and, about that?
0: And yes, we can. And I am willing to sit down with any of our local leaders because I've raised my voice stating that this should not happen to any municipality. And I believe that we can create a decompression strategy that would allow uh, Americans to do what we've always done. This is a country of immigrants. Uh, all of us have come from somewhere. But the difference now than how we handle the Ukrainian uh, uh, refugees, how we handle those from Afghanistan, another country, we allowed them to work. Mm-hmm. Why are we treating this population any differently? And some people say they're illegals. No, they're not. They were paroled into the country. And if we're going to parole people into the country, we need to give them the foundation and a precursor to experience the American dream. And that's the right to work. And that's what I'm really calling on uh, the federal government to do. Fund this crisis and give people the right to participate in the American
1: dream. Twelve billion dollars the city spent so far. Uh, It has helped uh, not at all uh, with our problems economically. And I want to move to that as a next subject. Uh, The budget uh, that you have had to tell every city agency earlier, uh, late last year that they're going to have to cut their budgets by 5% and maybe another 5% next month or the month after, and maybe another 5%, and suddenly we've gotten income. Could you explain what happened in the last couple weeks?
0: No, it's not that we got income. We're still in very much a financial crisis, and we don't want to send the wrong message. Uh, We did an analysis from the November cuts that we had to do. We did an analysis of some of the issues, such as police. You know how I feel. Public Mm -hmm. safety is the prerequisite to prosperity. Uh, I need my police on patrol. We were able to add a class. We have two classes that's in now. We're going to have two more classes that's going to be in this year. Two started last year. Those are four classes. So we can continue the success of driving down crime, um, as we've always stated. But we also looked at the cleanliness of our city. I want to be the safest, cleanest big city in America where I can invest in public spaces, I can invest in people, and I can invest in public safety. That's the cornerstone of what I, uh, I ran on and what we're delivering on.
1: Just to, just to be clear about this, Mr. Mayor, you said this week that you, you're going to now bring more people, not cut staffers on the New York Police Department, and not cut uh, staffers on the Fire Department of New York.
0: What we did, it was there was something called the fifth man. Right. And the best way to explain the fifth man in the fire department, when you get to a fire, you want to you want to get water on that fire right away. When you have that fifth man in the various firehouses that we looked at, you are able to get water on fire faster. And that is why we push to look at any all of these safety measures, particularly now that we're looking at uh, the e-bikes of, of batteries uh, that are the lithium batteries that are causing, causing a real problem. So we saw that if we can find revenue to get that fifth man back in the firehouse, we should do so. That's exactly what we did. How about the cuts in the other agencies? The, you know, closing closing the, uh, uh, the, the
1: libraries on Sunday, for instance. That kind of stuff that a lot of people are talking about.
0: And they are, uh, Bill. I cannot say it enough. I, trust me, I get an earful. I'm sure you do. As the, as the mayor, whenever something goes wrong, um, I get an earful. I always joke about the guy that got divorced, and he said, "It's your fault, Eric." You know, uh, and particularly when when you're a mayor like me that rides the subway, walks the streets, interact with people every day. Uh, you know, I'm on the ground, and I feel the pain of New Yorkers. Uh, and trust me. This is not the budget I would like to pass. The budget I passed invested in uh, our older adults, our children, large, largest number of summer youth employment of 100,000, 110,000 our summer rising programs. Uh, this is the type of budget I want. But I need New Yorkers to understand the financial crisis that we are facing. And I need all of my colleagues that are elected to office to join the chorus and tell the national government to do its job. 169,000 people were dropped in our city. That's that's 1.5 the size of, of uh, Albany, New York, an entire city in our city that we have to t- give them all their basic needs.
1: And I think that's one of the great things about New York. You know that. You have talked about it all the time, you know, the, the sort of melting pot. If we had done at other places in the world do what have done what we do here in New York, where we want people to, to rise up and level the playing field for opportunity, you know, there's some problems in the world we could talk about that may not have been problems.
0: Well, listen. Well said, Bill. And we see it all the time. Just think about it for a moment. Out of that hundred and sixty-nine thousand, fifty-seven percent of them, we were able to self-sustain and get go on with their lives, participating in an American dream. Twenty-five thousand people, we were able to get. Uh, file their TPS status and get their work authorization. You're seeing a system that national and international leaders look towards New York City and saw what we accomplished. You are not seeing that in other cities. You don't see people who came here sleeping on our streets uh, not being able to uh, see the vision of what the future has to offer. And as I stated, this is a city of immigrants and immigrants contribute to the building of this city, the birth of this city, and all that the city has to offer. We saw during COVID, uh, it was hospital workers who are large uh, immigrant population and other groups who were there for us. And we need to be there for people in the city.
1: Two years in in office you've gone through so far. Uh, Two more years ago, two straight years of a drop in shootings and murders. And yet, many people in New York still feel we have a big problem. It's a little like what's happening with Mr. Biden where the economy has in fact grown but a lot of people don't feel the economy is doing well. Are you in that kind of position and what is your goal now for this new year to try to keep fighting crime?
0: Well, you know, I always use football analogy. Uh, this is halftime, you know. You go inside and you come up with your plan. You learn. You look on your bench to see who you have. You look at your players and see, of uh, you know, what they want to do and what they want to accomplish. And then you adjust. Uh, I'm, I'm, I am so excited about this next two years. Uh, you know, the last two years, in spite of what we have gone through, of uh, you look at the wins. Uh, everything from NYCHA Land Trust turning the corner on NYCHA uh, decreasing the cost of child care from $55 a week down to less than $5 a, a week, in forced, in, investing in foster cares, uh private sector jobs. Uh, when you look at the Ws, in spite of COVID, I inherited COVID when I became mayor. In spite of COVID, in spite of 169,000 migrants, we're still moving forward. We have almost the fourth largest tourism in the history of this city. People are coming back to this great city. And so I'm excited about what the next two years uh, have to offer. Well,
1: we're going to talk about that in a, in a couple of minutes, but I want to keep, keep on this line. Um, you said the polls don't much matter, uh, but you can't be happy with the last month's uh, Quinnipiac poll, uh, looking at your approval rating, which was, which was fairly low. Um, and I know you said, look, we've got a long way to go. I don't care about polls right now. I care about doing a good job. However. I know somewhere deep inside you, Mr. Mayor, uh, you're, you're you're upset about that.
0: Uh, no, no, Bill, I, I would not lie to you. Listen, no one wants those who are looking at you working, getting up 4 a.m. in the morning, uh, meditating, uh, exercising, drinking my green smoothie, and okay. then giving this city everything I have. No one wants people to believe that you're not doing a good, good job because our Ws are not often broadcast because we live in a day of sensationalism. But if you live by the cheers, you would die by the booze. Be committed and dedicated. Wake up and give it everything you have. And there's only one thing I can commit to New Yorkers. I'm going to leave every ounce of me on the field of battling uh, for this city. And I did that as a police officer when I put on that bulletproof vest and protected children and families. I'm going to do it as the mayor of the city of New York. And then the people will decide who they want to move the city in any years to come.
1: The secret, I'm writing this down, secret is green smoothies. I'm writing that down <laughs> I'm gonna I'll post that later. Um, you know, I do want to ask you a couple questions about, uh, about something that, you know, was, was news and hasn't been much news yet, uh, as of this new year anyway. Uh, what's the status of the investigation into your campaign?
0: Well, the investigators are going to do their job, and that's what they're supposed to do. As a former law enforcement person, I know that inquiries happen, and we need to do the inquiries to determine if anything inappropriate happened. I've been clear from the beginning, I follow The law. I follow the rules. Uh, I did not uh, protect the people and uh, prevent uh, unlawful behavior. Then come a mayor and break the law. That's not going to happen. I sleep well at night with my little teddy bear. We go to sleep. I feel good every time I get up in the morning because I know I don't have to look over my shoulders because I follow the rules and I follow the law. And the
1: green smoothie helps as well, too. (laughs) I know that. Um, Real briefly, has has the FBI said you're under
0: investigation? You're a target of this? Listen, we have not received, as people were saying, a, a target letter. I don't quite know what that is. No, we're going to allow the uh, federal authorities to do their job. That's what they are there for. And I'm not going to speculate. I'm going to allow them to do their job. And at the end of the day, I follow the rules. And I feel comfortable about the career that I've had in government of following the rules.
1: Mr. Mr. Adams,
0: Mr. Yes. Mayor, Eric. I, I
1: don't know if you're going to remember this or not, but one time we had a conversation after one of the debates, the last debates, and after the election, and, and you it was clear to you that you felt like this was your opportunity. Uh, you thought you were going to win the election, and you did. Um, and it was so clear to me observing you over the years, that, that you believe that 100%. And I think when I talk to people about you, they say, what's he like? I said, I think he's a passionate guy. You know, he might not have all the answers, but he believes in New York. Has Have you changed? Have you wavered even slightly on any of
0: that? <laughs> and that's a great question, Bill. And I speak with you and others who have been and covered me uh, for years. Uh, this is an over-30-something-year dream to come here and see how do we change how we have betrayed everyday working-class people like my mom. And other families that live on my on on my block. I wake up every day with so much enthusiasm and so much energy. I love the city so much. And it's just a city where I think there's great opportunities. And when I look at my wins on what I have done with foster care children and what I have done around public safety and how I've sat in hospitals where people who are victims of crime and what we've done in the subway system, over 4 million riders are back on our system. Uh, what I ran on, I was able to, to deliver. This little boy from South Jamaica, Queens, uh, dyslexic and had to find a way. This city is a city of opportunities. And I'm so excited for the next two years. And no matter what we go through, the don't ever bet against new york we're resilient we're strong we're committed we're de- dedicated and we're opinionated yeah, new yorkers question. will tell you how we feel
1: <laughs> so fi- final question in the last minute we yes. have i do want to get your take on this all that aside what what do you really want to have happen in the next two years what are you to focus on and don't forget there's always a migrant crisis of some sort or something else yes. that's going to come and block it. But what do you, well, what would you like to happen in the next two years?
0: Well said. I think all mayors had, you know, maybe one uh, defining moment. Uh, Mayor Bloomberg had 9-11. He inherited. Mayor de Blasio had uh, COVID. Uh, who would have thought we would have had these majors some COVID and the migrant c- uh, crisis? I want the city to be safe. Uh, I want uh, everyday New Yorkers to see the livability of it, to improve our housing crises, and people to believe not only in the city again, I want New Yorkers to believe in themselves again. We've been broken by COVID, we've been broken because of the crime trends, we've been broken because we've seen what's happening with the migrants. I want us to believe in ourselves again. A dark place is not a burial, it's a planting. And we need to see the fruits of our harvest
1: the 110th mayor of New York City. Mayor Adams, thank you for joining us. Good luck to you, sir. Thank you. So just ahead on Up Close, former President Trump with big legal bills from his avalanche of indictments and trials, and with a big lead going into this week's Iowa caucuses. So what can we expect legally and politically? And how about the other Republicans who want to defeat him in the primaries? And they say it's time for Trump to go. Our political team is next. People who disappear without a trace. The most notorious murder cases in New York. Pure evil. And the most devious killers.
2: There's a Hannibal Lecter feel to him.
1: For chilling true crime stories, follow the True Crime NYC podcast wherever you listen. Welcome back to Up Close. Let's get right to our political team, ABC News political director Rick Klein and political consultant Hank Scheinkoff, Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Let's get right to the Iowa caucuses happening on Monday. The weather freezing there is it going to affect things about they, they all i know rick they all gather in these little caucuses right at uh, in people's homes
3: i don't know how it doesn't affect things i mean iowans are used to the snow but this is bitter by any by any 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 uh, stretch of the imagination I And mean, here's the thing bill it is different you have to show up in person you have to go and get on the road on a, on a night that you might rather be watching netflix or you know cuddle up <laughs> by the fire with some hot chocolate it's a hard thing to do and i think it really presses these campaigns to show that they're as organized and that their their backers are as committed uh, as they say they were. And lots of campaigns, including Donald Trump's in 2016, were, were upset in Iowa because turnout was not quite what they thought it would be.
1: It's not New Hampshire, Hank, but it, but it is, you know, Iowa. And it, is there anything anyone can do, uh, other Republicans, to, to beat the guy in the primaries there? Probably not, right?
2: Well, you have to pray the weather will dampen turnout, that his people say, well, he's got it in the bag, it's too cold, we're not going out. If that happens... Uh, Donald Trump won't do as well as he could. But frankly, he may not do as well as he could anyway. Why? It's just the weather, the lousy conditions. And there's a general sense maybe among Republicans that he's not the kind of guy they thought he was and he doesn't have the strength they once thought he did.
1: All right. And that is because, Rick, all these legal problems, just he can't get away from them. I mean, I know he tries to turn them into campaign things, but it's an avalanche of legal problems.
3: Yeah. And given the weather in Iowa this past week, he may have been better off in courthouses than in Des Moines. <laughs> But it is really striking to have someone who's running in the caucuses like this, who's not spending a lot of time in the state. He's picking it up a little bit over the weekend in the last stretch. But it is not on-the-ground campaigning. Uh, And, yeah, a lot of it is by choice because he's turned his political uh, campaign into a legal campaign, his legal campaign into a political campaign. They're one and the same. We saw that in front of the judge in New York a couple of days ago. This is really what Trump is running on, and it has made him stronger every step of the way. He doesn't want to be talking about issues. He doesn't want to be talking about the other candidates. He wants to be talking about his his own persecution that he's trying to spin into the larger storyline. So far, Republicans are buying it. We'll have to see, though, because I, I could easily see the campaign becoming a two-person race, particularly if DeSantis falls real short in Iowa. Nikki Haley will be well-positioned to win New Hampshire, and then it's a whole new, it's a whole new campaign from there.
1: Yes, and Hank, we know that uh, Governor Christie dropped out perhaps in the right amount of time uh going into this and especially new hampshire
2: especially for new hampshire this will have a tremendous impact the voters who are very kind of independent do what they want in new hampshire will say wait a second uh no more Christie. we've got to put our our votes and our strength someplace look for nikki haley probably to do much better than
1: anticipated and potentially as rick noted win that contest yeah we talked a lot gentlemen uh with uh New York Mayor Adams in the segment before you, uh, and we talked a lot about immigration and and migrants. And I wanted to run a theory by you really quickly. A lot of Democrats are saying the abortion rights killing that, uh, by the Supreme Court will hurt the Republicans and Trump in this race. Uh, and but I wonder whether the 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 chaos at the border is going to hurt the Democrats in this race. What are your t- what's your take on that,
3: Rick? There's no question in my mind if this election turns on. Uh, immigration and border issues, Republicans have a big edge. If it turns on abortion rights, Democrats have a big edge. And those are the kind of issues that, you know, however you want to handicap them, they stick with voters. And you don't have to be contemplating or in a position to get an abortion, to care about abortion rights. And you don't have to be on the border and living near the border to be impacted by the the crisis at the border or feel like you're impacted by it. So they're real, they're visceral, and it's not just about campaign ads. They're things that people feel in their everyday lives.
1: Well, and we see it, Hank, on the streets of every big city. There's no question. You see it on the streets of New York right now. Sure.
2: People tend to balance things when they go into the voting booth, Bill. They kind of have a scale in each hand. It'll be simple here. It's the migrants the sense that things are out of order, that they're out of control, chaos, uh, a sense that things are not as kind of lawless almost on one side, and then the other is abortion. Question is what balances out the abortion argument because it's so strong might overwhelm them, but it might not.
1: Yeah, good analysis from from both of you, and it's gonna make for a wild 2024 race. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you, Bill. All right, we'll be right back. And that's going to do it for this edition of Up Close Tiempo with my pal Joe Torres. is coming up next. If you missed any of today's programs, no worries. I'll post today's segments on my Facebook page sometime tomorrow. And a reminder, Up Close is now a podcast. Is that exciting or what? You can listen to this and all future episodes on the go. Search for Up Close with Bill Ritter wherever you get podcasts or simply scan the QR that's right on the screen right there. Our own podcast. Thank you all for watching. I'm Bill Ritter. And for all of us here at Channel 7, Eyewitness News, we wish you health and peace, and let's take care of each other.